0: Hey guys, Jacob here and welcome to the new episode of Automated Seller Podcast. Today we have a new special guest, Burak Yolga. Hi Burak, how are you? Hi man, thank you for having me. Sure, sure, it's awesome and I'm glad that you are here. So uh, Burak, you are the co-founder and CEO of ForceGet, which is the supply chain logistics. And today I would love to talk uh, basically about your role, about your company and also about your past. So. Uh, Burak, maybe we'll start basically with the past, right? Uh, we already had a little bit of the conversation behind the scenes, but I would love uh, also our audience to 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 hear it because I think it's pretty awesome. So, if you could maybe share Please. a little bit um, your background, like what right. did you, how, how did you start and actually end up um, building ForceGet? Uh,
1: thank you for having me, man. It's really interesting to uh, talk to you and your audience. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, for me, um, the journey was painful. Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, they think that you are here today because, you know, um, you just like build this company, but I, I have so many failures. Um, <laughs> I, I've been living in Miami, Florida the last five years. Uh, before that I lived in China eight years. That's I think where my journey starts. Um, you know, I was born in Istanbul, Turkey. I, I studied international business. Then <clears throat> I did my MBA in Paris, France. And then I I lived in Czech Republic, like Prague for six months. I worked for a British company, but then everyone back then, they had like an American dream and I had an Asian dream. You know, I always like, (laughs) and then back then, like it was 2011, 2012, where the Chinese economy, the GDP was growing double digit. You know, they were like manufacturing a lot of things. It was very interesting for me. I, I had no one in my family actually doing business and I was just like interesting and I Find an internship in china for six months and then i ended up staying like eight years uh, but you know it was very different because i didn't have any experience i didn't have any money uh, you know let, I, let me I, jump
0: here real quick Burak, actually right. for for this chinese because i know that uh, sometimes uh, people tend to have a very long answers and I, i'm actually very curious about this chinese ex- experience right like you said that you, you you had an internship there but but how is it actually to be in china does it require like to have a visa because you said that you spend up there a few right. few years later right. right like
1: interesting question because you know back then it was a little easier uh you know i i only have like a turkish passport Mm-hmm. And I, I I got a six month visa and it was this world's largest golf resort actually. So back then, still like I had no business connection. And in Turkey I always worked in the hotels and the resorts, like in the customer relationships and stuff. So I found an internship there. And then it was like six months' visa, but then I get a job in a Chinese American company in the sales department. That's where they sponsor a work visa. And I think things a little changed after Covid. Uh, It's still like now things are going back to normal, more like getting a visa in China. But now, you know, the economy is not as encouraging as when I started. Even when I started, you know, Alibaba was there. There was like so many different platforms and trade shows, which I think got me really interesting because I lived in a city called Shenzhen. Uh, If people know, it's really right across from Hong Kong, like 45 minutes by subway or bus. And it's like two hours from Guangzhou, where the Canton Fair takes place. So I was in the middle of uh, electronic centers, the, you know, the largest electronic companies like Huawei, uh, Oppo, like all these companies are in, in Shenzhen. So it's like a growing, open-minded city, but biggest challenge was like, I didn't speak any Chinese. So, you know, you take I, I it... was
0: about to ask that actually.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I have zero, zero, zero Chinese and before i moved there the person who did an internship with me was asking me if i like chinese but i was like yeah sure but the food in there like extremely different Mm -hmm. and you know the first six months i lost around like 15 kilos because majority really yeah majority meals were like fried rice fried noodle you know the hotel that i worked it was like craziest time but it was very interesting because you know i could travel back then you know i had no team i was just like me myself like you know i had not really much responsibility still like a student life it was interesting but it's also crazy
0: I, that you just there went there on your own i think yeah, that's like yeah. very brave
1: <laughs> I, you know like right now i'm looking i was lucky i was brain i was stupid mix of everything um but i think the, the majority of you know the most important thing for me was It was a very active lifestyle. I I always like to be active in my life. You know, I don't like the word entrepreneur too much. Um, If you are good at something, if you want to learn something, that's what makes you who you are. And I always, I was always into international background, business, maybe money. You know, all of us have different sort of uh, motivation and mine was this. And traveling, meeting suppliers, understand what is happening behind. It just like, it was so interesting because I would always think that, okay, I have a Samsung monitor in front of me. It's made by Samsung factory. When I went to the factories in China, I'm like, this doesn't look like the factories I saw in national geography or something, you know, like in the, <clears throat> in the TVs, I'm like, is it really factory? I was like shocked where people oh, wow. products are manufactured, like what way? And, you know, it was you just mean like, in a good
0: way or in a bad way,
1: in a bad way, in a good way. Also, I learned so many things about like, you know, what is white label? What is OEM? What is ODM? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the products that you buy in the market, it comes to you within four or five different tiers through different trade companies, like importers, exporters, it just like still I'm amazed of this entire process. You know, when you place the order, you send the money. The product is made by a factory or, or trade companies. And, the, and uh, you know, the way of doing business now is very different than mm-hmm. 10 years ago. I can't believe it's been 10 years, but um, I feel a little older as well. Um, I'm only <laughs> 35 years old, by the way. Don't think that I'm very old. Um, but, you know, right now, majority of these factories or manufacturers or trade companies, they do business directly in the end-to-end. You know, they, they're in the D2C marketplaces. They sell on Amazon directly. Oh, really? Um, the the, yeah. the factories itself? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny because we were looking to reach out to big brands uh, on Amazon side. Majority of our customers are Amazon. We downloaded the brand analytics report for outdoor and um, furniture. 80% of the top three-click brands are Chinese brands. That's wow. crazy. But, 80%. But, but
0: burak uh, I, I think that that was about to to end like end up like this i mean if you think about it also i feel like dro- drop shipping for example it, it's it's no i wouldn't say it's that that's still like people doing it right and and getting a lot of money but it's almost impossible to start just a drop shipping business nowadays, right? And if the yeah. factories are selling just on their own on, <clears throat> on the popular marketplaces then it's it's game over like there's no really margin that you uh, can absolutely.
1: have. Yeah, I mean, it's so true because sometimes, you know, um I actually create um I have a YouTube channel now. It's uh, called Force Get, um and in in my video I explain actually how to find if you go to Amazon, you do a research, let's say you do a product research from Helium 10, like, you know, if it is profitable or not, you can actually go click on the product, then click on the storefront under the storefront. Amazon is actually displays uh, the the seller's origin address, Mm -hmm. the name, Mm -hmm. last name, etc. address. So you can see if they're from China or not. Then if you are trying to enter to a, a, you know, product category where Chinese manufacturers or suppliers are heavily involved then you have pretty much no chance and it's like so funny because one of our customers they used to import uh mealworms you know the want kind of dry meal like the meal the dry worms that used for birds feeding chicken mm-hmm. in the farms and stuff so this was like four years ago the factory saw that this guy's making a lot of sales on amazon they basically start increasing the price of his customer like slowly Mm-hmm. and they start selling with their own brands on Amazon directly they're oh, like wow. why <laughs> should we make 20% to selling to a wholesaler versus we could make 60% margin and that was an insane story because in some point they had an agreement that they need to buy a certain amount so this guy lost $200,000 because he put down payment deposit so like sourcing and finding the good suppliers one of the hardest part right now so there are so yeah. many companies are shifting selling on amazon to like multi channels or different marketplaces i think game has changed a lot but at the same time you need to have a clear way of calculating your landing cost uh, mm-hmm. this is the most important in managing your inventory and I so- think I think also what what I've
0: seen especially here in Poland like Amazon for example it's it's not that big in Poland it's getting there um but like I have a lot of friends who are um selling their uh like especially um like t-shirts and so on so f- clothes and I asked them actually also about the quality they said it's very good and then they said that for them it's cheaper to have the manufacturers in Poland right now right. that they actually do it here because if they also calculate all of the costs of like shipping and so on that they there's really less margin right so I, I see this and actually i see it more often i don't know what are your thoughts about this um would it be a trend actually to to start manufacturing also in other countries than china if also they right now are
1: putting their products on, on marketplaces you know we we actually had a call with our one of our key customers uh they are one of the largest air fryer and mini oven seller on amazon in the us and canada So we're talking about the same thing and answer is depending on the product, but in my opinion, still China is going to be the biggest player Mm -hmm. when it comes to, you know, product sourcing, uh, people talk about Mexico. I don't think Mexico, except a couple of different, uh, product categories. They say maybe textile, maybe some plastic or wood products. Like they don't have enough capacity to support companies. They don't have enough infrastructure. With their export um export regulations, um it's very hard to export from Mexico. You have no idea. sometimes it takes two to three weeks to clear the customer and then you need to pay a lot of money. and then you know products you manufacture in Mexico only can go through um truck to u s and full truck can cost up like seven to ten thousand dollars versus container now, like with the even the price increase like five thousand. so I don't believe in people saying oh go source from Vietnam go source from Mexico yeah, yeah. like yeah but like how raw material <laughs> still comes from some of those countries mm-hmm. you know or maybe the the production equipment the packing material uh I am not heavily supporting China but same time uh you need to be realistic uh, to understand like what other countries you can source some people like blindly uh started to Promote Mexico or India, but then you know we spoke to an Indian um, supplier. We asked them to provide us the packing list and proforma invoice. They were like, "Oh, what's performing invoice?" There are a lot of great Indian exporters. I'm not saying there are not, but <clears throat> there are also a lot of new starters. But anyone you want to go and buy product from China, they will be like, "Yes, we know everything." Like you know, they're all all star. Totally. There are a lot of companies, there are a lot of countries now they're still rookie in the market. Totally.
0: But no, th- thanks a lot for, for the opinion. Now, let, let's get back actually to, to your uh, journey, right? So you got all of this experience and then you, you started first F- F- get, right? So tell me, uh, Burak, <laughs> h- how is it to actually start the supply chain logistics business? How, how was your beginnings? Uh, how did you get a client? What were the initial
1: services that right. you actually were doing And and how is it now? But my my actually the international logistic was the last layer last tier of my business model business uh, journey because I after my internship is over in that hotel six months I start doing sourcing like you know for the clients most of my customers were from Turkey Italy uh, Dubai Kazakhstan and other marketplaces I start going to trade shows I meet people every time I travel I would go to overseas I was doing a lot of like security cameras home appliances and stuff. So I'd meet people, give business cards and try to, like, you know, get business and start sourcing. So I started getting start sourcing business worth the mod and true friends. And, you know, my first order was like very small, 400 uh, units, uh, car DVRs. And then, you know, uh, sometimes factories start introducing me to their customers. And, you know, I start working with the companies. And then I decided to start focusing on a couple of products that I can, trade myself so i would manufacture in china and then market them you know i think Mm -hmm. that's the biggest difference i think like manufacturers in china versus maybe let's say europeans or like or expats we know how to market the product they know how to manufacture the product Mm -hmm. and now they're learning how to market the product also that's like a big danger And, (laughs) and i start do that and now my customers start asking me hey can you also help us with the shipping because i would sell them a full container of meat grinder or leggings or you know c- computer keyboards then they're like hey you know you're sourcing the product can you help us with international shipping and so i started an international shipping company it was a small one and then it started growing and then five years ago i right before COVID, i was like you know i want to expand to a different marketplace because my knowledge and my business relationships in china is only worth of my competitors because you know everyone would compete everybody would compare my service with other sourcing companies from china or you know freight companies in china i'm like i want to differentiate myself so my knowledge works better in north america so i should kind of move here start in here so i decided to come to miami florida because I wanted to live somewhere in a warm place, you know, New York and stuffs not for me. And the West Coast had like. Just... I, I just
0: been there recently. Yeah,
1: it's yeah, a cold place. Like and then West Coast has too much time difference with China and Turkey because I was like connected with my office. And then I I, I picked Miami. I'm very happy uh, with where I live. There are a lot of uh, open minded people, entrepreneurs. Um, and it's easy to fly in and out. We have a company right now in Medellin, Colombia. Also, we have sales team in Chicago. We have warehouse in Los Angeles. So it's like a good spot for me to like fly in and out. That's how we started. And then we, two years ago, we were the first company who built this digital platform. People can track their shipments online for e-commerce and Amazon sellers. We call mm-hmm. it Forescape Digital Freight Forwarder, where now we are working on Amazon sellers central connections and Shopify this way companies have the full visibility in their inter- entire 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 international shipping as well as uh inventory management. So I think it's gonna be something very, very cool. Um and now we're mainly focused on like a large seven, eight figure brands who globally selling we are partnered with Amazon, UK and Europe as well as Canada. Um and you know a couple of other big companies like Fratos, Alibaba. So you know we have a great team in the back end. Everybody works like its own company uh we have a lot of like remote people we have a lot of like mm-hmm. offices so I'm, I'm actually very happy in the industry that we're in which brings the question mark is what is going on with this year in the you know supply chain challenges
0: oh yeah totally but but yeah I'm really glad that you actually shared also your 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 client that, especially right now that you said that it's a focus for seven eight figures uh brands and amazon i was about to ask that right and uh we, we already also talked a little bit about the conferences as, as i said i saw your booth um last year and uh that's actually very funny that now we have a podcast together it's super cool right. to also see this uh but yeah burak uh, i i wanted to ask you um, actually right now about this client's uh, acquisition strategies right so if you could maybe share um obviously re- recommendation is one right you're doing great job uh people are willing to to refer you it's same for our business but especially uh with, with such a competition um for example let's focus maybe on the first right if, if you go into the first a lot um trade shows. W- what's your strategy there right like how, how do you attract new customers because i i mean I, i've seen some of the also other logistics companies right so those are Potentially your competitors, or like right. directly your competitors. Right. So,
1: you know, it's 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 very hard because there's so much competition in the market. But I think one thing that differentiates us is uh, when we get into different communities, because people really, if they are happy with your service, they talk about you to other people. Mm-hmm. If they're not talking, if they're not happy with your service, then they talk more about you to the you know their community, <laughs> their 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 friends and families and that's one thing that we i think successfully implement um trying to get into and anytime we make a mistake or anytime there's something went wrong uh we took the responsibility i think that's why we grew like 200 percent last year it was which was like a difficult yeah it was a really growth year for us we built a lot of sops uh we made a lot of maybe mistakes internally but every time we made a mistake maybe or something went wrong and we're in the industry, that's a lot of things are happening outside of our control. Unfortunately, you know, the delays may be something damaged, but we always like did our best to help the clients to explain what is the really happen and these kind of things can happen. And now what is the compensation? We always try to cover the, you know, either cost of the damaged things or loss. So we put people in the right contact with the right people. We share with them entire communication. I think eventually that's what I learned right now in, the, in our business. Anything can go wrong, but you got to be like 100% honest. And then, you know, we have a lot, we have our, we have our team is almost like 50, 55 people right now. And sometimes each individual can make a mistake. We're all human. Yeah. And then, you know, as a company owner, I need to take responsibility. Even if we need to lose money, we just like tell the, tell people the truth, you know? Um, and I think our platform, I, I believe in the transparency our our force get software where people can track their shipments online online and it doesn't matter what their location is i think makes people life easy if you if there's a problem there should be a solution so we're trying to find the solution parts like how we can solve people's problem what is their biggest challenge right now if you want to grow bigger expand better um what kind of question marks you have in your head and we're trying to answer them before actually people ask like you know because people search things and we want to be there to help and create value for for the clients i think it's all about creating value for the clients
0: totally totally no i really i really like it um i really like it also like the the platform i think this is like a definitely a game changer right so you, you said that you, you have this digital platform that your clients can pretty much log in and see all of their uh, Ship shipment and Warehouse location runs inventories everything i i, I think it's, it's it's really a game
1: changer then especially uh, now you know because i know that some people they keep talking about the ppc budgets increasing and you know ppc bidding is much higher, mm-hmm. uh, totally. but they are managing their PPC budget not according to their inventory movements, mm-hmm. which is the biggest problem right now. And you know, force Get is the one who started this actually um, trend, like telling people, look, you need to know where is your shipment to make a better decision to place a new order to your supplier, to your 3PL, the PPC agent. We kind of give access to everyone in our platform, so. A lot of people they have like their virtual assistants suppliers um amazon agencies sometimes like two three different parties needs to act- okay. have access to the same information so we we make that happen
0: that's that's awesome i think that overall right now it just get selling on amazon it's more and more competitive i mean right now i, I i've had a lot of interviews also with like amazon uh agency owners right they they mentioned that uh, it's much harder right now to uh run the ads it's it's no longer that you just run the ads and uh, people buy your products right so yeah it's all about reviews now you tell me that here it's also uh, like the next factor is actually to, to keep track of the lo- logistics because eventually you need your stock to be refilled also on time then the other price uh, the, the other point is uh the pricing point like having a right repricer then uh, i had also people on my podcast who are running the um like also the agencies but more like on the uh content side right they they write the listing they prepare the SEO and so on so it just seems that this this uh selling on Amazon nowadays is just you need to do so many things right to to stay ahead of the competitors
1: you know i think another thing is direct um connection is the cash flow because one of the biggest problem people have in last year is having the access to the cash, having access to capital mm-hmm. because the interest rates are very high. 2021, 2022, no one had that kind of problem. Aggregators were like throwing out money. Now they oh, are yeah. bankrupt, unfortunately. <laughs> um, you know, the market conditions are like very different. So even if you have a good idea, maybe you don't have money to launch this. And this is a little. that's a big problem for people to, you know, maintain their business and. Not knowing when is your shipment departing from the origin, not knowing when is it arriving, you can't even make a decision about increasing, decreasing your prices, activating, deactivating the coupon. Everything is related to your best selling rank if you're selling on Amazon. And if you make a small mistake, you run out of inventory. It's pretty much end of the game because Amazon really do care that you never run out of inventory. They care about sales history. And now they even came up, they came out with an announcement that you need to have an average, uh, you need to keep an average quantity that you're selling last twelve months, and always in the FBA fulfillment center, because there are so many companies they run out of inventory. So it's basically like end of the game if you don't manage your inventory well. And now we see average two weeks of delay uh, shipment apart mm-hmm. from China, which with few particular carrier. And i really think that it's just um uh, i really think that it's like the most crucial decision making process right now what inventory do you have when it's going to arrive and what is your landing cost because uh eventually it's important to have a profitable business it's, it doesn't matter anymore how much you're selling revenue because oh yeah you know that's so many people they forgot about that last two years and then now they're getting suffering
0: yeah totally and now uh, burak I, I want to challenge you here a little bit and pretty much uh talk a little bit about um like advantages and disadvantages of using um basically a third party logistics company like like yours for the amazon business because obviously uh it's not for everyone right like right. you need to basically qualified for it as a a seller so maybe you can tell actually what would be like the qualification for the seller when it's the right time to actually start thinking about the third party logistics logistics partner
1: and when definitely it's not um you know I, i i think that people so i think we could consider that within two different categories uh people who already been selling on amazon or other marketplaces last couple of years which they saw that the game has changed a lot because almost 70 to 75 percent of amazon sellers they think that selling on amazon is harder that's like a fact um you know amazon also makes it harder for amazon sellers to sell on amazon but they want the brands to sell on amazon you know that's like the the idea because amazon also create their accelerate uh, event in seattle um that's the one time in a year amazon organizes to bring together like two thousand brands that the top-selling brands on Amazon. So that's the the majority of companies that we focus on because we were the only international logistic company who had a booth in Accelerate 2023. And I think if you are believe in uh, that's where I saw you there. Yeah, Maybe Accelerate, yeah. <laughs> Got yeah. it. Prosper. Yes. So yeah, Accelerate was a great event for 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 us to meet you know large Amazon brands that who are serious about that. Um. There, if you're an Amazon seller, if you want to start selling on Amazon, you have two, three SKUs, maybe you should try to find a way to ship it to Amazon directly, uh, versus Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, work with a 3PL who has like, you know, international shipping plus fulfillment, because, you know, you will have like a higher cost. And if you are not importing large quantity, all these extra costs is going to increase your uh, landing cost per per unit. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you are ordering thousand units per time versus ten thousand units your landing cost will be much more expensive uh, for a bigger seller so um i think people should be like focusing on the correct business model for their business if they are just starting Um, i think that's the biggest uh difference between using the 3pl freight forwarder versus not to understand where are you today with your business there's no problem to be small uh, we have a client they're selling like a tactical bags uh for you know uh different kind of uh products like camping maybe weapons and stuff it's it's high quality made. uh Amazon like a retail price like 100 200 $20, 25 and they have three thousand reviews which is the ratings 4.9 so if there's a niche you want to sell you don't have to sell 1000 you could make something good quality if there's a demand oh, yeah. make it quality and then you know you can sell it because a lot of companies, also starters, I, I think there's one thing that if if you're serious about that, don't start selling anything below thirty dollar. You can't make any money. FBA fees, buying costs, and everything. You should start. You should start on a something like a higher margins, higher selling yeah. point. Something between. Start selling something plus plus ninety dollar, hundred dollar, hundred ten dollar. You'd buy that for thirty units. Uh, sorry, you you can buy that around like FOB price twenty five to thirty dollars. But then competition is going to be less, but if you position yourself, if you market, if you expand, you can make better money. That's my yeah. personal opinion right Which now. Which
0: means profit eventually, right? Yeah, but absolutely. Because
1: otherwise, profit. you pay to Amazon, you pay to Supplier, you pay to 3 out, There's nothing left for you like PPC. You know, yeah. Google Google Advertisement is double the cost, like Amazon double the cost like PPC. So it's impossible to make money if you're selling a product for $20. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure some people make money from 20 but like it's harder. That's that's why that's my personal opinion.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks for this. Definitely, I, I've heard actually yeah, from also a few other uh, leaders in this um, Amazon community that it's, it's it's super hard right now to compete yeah. also on those l- lower prices items. So, that that's for sure. And now, Burak, I want to talk a little bit also about uh, like the most important days uh, for Amazon sellers, right? So days like Amazon Prime Day or the Black Friday, Uh, you already said that having items in a stock um, so you can actually fulfill all all of the orders, it's crucial, right? And if you you, you don't do that, then you can just pretty much uh, lose with your competitor overnight. So how Amazon sellers should uh, actually get ready for those important days. like that there's also like some other days, like seasonality right like christmas for example where certain items go high like so overall all of those ses- seasonal days like wh- what's your approach
1: you know i i i i am not very good at looking at the data but i know that's very important um you know i'm more in the in our company i'm more in the marketing and sales and operations side whereas my sister she's another co-founder luckily she's very good at like software and finance obviously i look at it But I think knowing your numbers is the most important thing right now. And if you're not Mm -hmm. good at it, you need to find someone who can assist you. And knowing your numbers means not only like a landing cost and everything, but like forecasting to have a better forecasting and understanding that things are delaying a lot. Like, you know, if you place an order from China, maybe the production time is not 30 days anymore. It is 45 days. The shipping time is not 30 days anymore, it's 45 to 50 days. Amazon Fulfillment Center's checking time is not 10 days, it's 30 days. That's where I mentioned about the cash flow. It, it Like two years ago, before COVID, you would order a product in China, you start selling it, you sell it, you collect the money in 90 days from Amazon. Now it's 180 days. You need to have a clear cash flow to like support this flow. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is the most important thing I think for this year to understand for people to know their numbers and understand and manage their cash flow and forecast you look at the last two years data the same time of the year and also calculate the fact that like the inflation and other things it's it sounds like complicated but I think um uh, it's important to understand like this relationship between the suppliers the shipments and the uh, you know the selling it's the most important thing this year that's why um uh, mm-hmm. you know Every day they're talking about this in the finance news and you know, politic issues. The company revenues can be affected from this supply chain disruptions.
0: Oh yeah, oh, yeah. and I think yeah, it's it's all about also pre- pre- prediction. Uh, so w- once you take a look at your data and the numbers, and you know that uh, in two months there might be a very high demand on your product, then you just simply should order more, right? And and predict that. Uh, so yeah. I, I fully agree with you. Uh, Yeah, Burak, thanks a lot. Uh, That was actually very, very nice and informative uh, episode. Uh, Last question that I have for you is pretty much how people can find you, how people can uh, start working with the Foursket and uh, yeah, basically Um, it's YouTube, it's LinkedIn
1: they can always like connect me directly um my email address is sales at it comes to me directly i like to see everything what's going on with the sales and operations they can always reach us out on our social media channels and we we i think we do a lot of cool content on youtube right now if they want to know more about like you know import regulations um you know chargeable weight sourcing from china other marketplaces so i'm talking about more like a supply chain you can always like track our youtube channel as well, as well subscribe but the email address is the the best way, and then you know I generally get back to everyone within two to three hours.
0: Awesome, Burak. Thanks a lot for, Thank uh, you for this having episode.
1: Me, it was it was really uh, great conversation. We stay in touch. And Absolutely. thanks for watching, guys. Thank you.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.